Amen, amen. You could be seated. I know I say this every single, almost Sunday, but man, I'm telling you what, can we just give it for our worship team? Aren't they amazing? Oh, man, they just set the, set the atmosphere when you get up and want to communicate and preach God's word, and I'm just so thankful for their faithfulness, and you've heard me say this too, I'm so thankful we have a worship team that doesn't sing to you, they sing to Jesus, and I just believe that that just moves the heart of God when his people cry out to him in, in a time of worship. Well, uh, we're gonna jump right into this. I'm super excited about today. I'm excited about this series. I, I really enjoy uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. Hopefully the Lord's been using it in your life. Um, we talked about the Holy Spirit who is God. He is God. We talked about how the Holy Spirit saves us and comes inside of us. And if you missed any of those the last two weeks, I wanna encourage you to go back and watch them online. And today is a question that... Um, depending on how you were raised, if you're raised in church or maybe how you were taught, um, can go a couple ways here. But the question I wanna, count, I wanna look at today is, if I'm truly saved, is there ever a point in my life that I could ever be unsaved? Is there ever a point in the life when the Holy Spirit comes inside of me that I, I sin so much that the Holy Spirit says, I'm done with you, I'm leaving you? Is there ever a point where God who writes our name in the Lamb's Book of Life goes, you know what, man, you've just blown it, bro. You went way too far out, uh, get the eraser. And he erases our names out of the Lamb's Book of Life. And so depending on how you were raised, you, you, you thought about, can I ever lose my salvation? Can I ever lose what God has departed within me? And if I can, when does that happen? And how far do I have to sin or how far would I have to go for that to take place? If you ever had that thought, um, man, today's a great day because we're gonna unpack that. We're gonna look at what God's word has to say about this subject of if, if I'm truly saved, could I ever lose my salvation? So I'm gonna be jumping through random text here. So if you're a note taker, it may be best just to write the reference down. You could go back and, and read that and study it because I always encourage you to take your Bibles and open up and study God's word for yourself. Let God speak to you through his word. Um, so I have a lot of text today. I'm, I'm gonna walk through this. Maybe this should be more of a Bible study than a sermon, but I really hope that the Lord would use it just to, to open up your eyes, to trust him, to see him, uh, to encounter him, but also he would reveal his, um, his love for us. So in 1 John chapter five, the apostle John writes this. And this is what God has testified. Let, let me just stop there and say this real quick. I believe that this is God's word. I believe it's inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant, and it's original language. I believe that God gave us his word. He means what he says, he says what he means in the text. And so I'm coming to you today with the approach that you do believe that this is God's word. I mean, that's just like ground zero, that we can trust what God has to say in his word. And if I, if I believe this is God's word, then I have to really examine what it means um, when I read the text. If you do not believe this is God's word, really we got another whole subject to talk about of textual criticism and how can I trust the Bible. When you have a book of 66 books, this is really a library. The Bible's like a library. It's a collection of 66 books written over 1,500 years on three different continents by 40 different authors inspired by God and they all have the same flow which is unbelievable when you really study the text and study history and textual criticism. How can that even be possible? So, just for reference, I'm gonna come to you today assuming that you believe this is God's word. And if this is God's word, then what does he have to say to us according to the text? So with that, let's go back to verse 11. And this is what God has testified. This is what he's testified. 
He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son, Jesus. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. Makes sense. We got that. Verse 11, I've written this to you so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, which is Jesus, so that you may know, everybody say no. No, that you may know you have eternal life. So here's what John says. I'm writing this to you so that you can know. Not that you can hope so, not that you can say maybe I'm saved, I hope I'm saved, I think I'm saved. The Bible says you can know that you are saved. And so there's some of you here today, you may be doubting your salvation. Like you may be doubting, am I truly saved? If I'm truly saved, did I, why do I still have this thought or why do I still blow it? Or if I'm truly saved, then why do I think this way? And some of you may doubt your salvation. I'll talk about that just, just in a moment. But John wants us to know that, listen, you can know that if you're saved. Like you can know like you know your name. Like you, I didn't write this so that you may hope so or maybe think so. You can know like you know your name if you are saved. He also writes in John chapter four, five in his other, on the other book, he says, I tell you the truth that whoever listens to the message and believe in God who sent him has eternal life. Now, you know what eternal means? Eternal. It means forever. It means unceasing. So when I am saved, if I put my faith and trust in Jesus, I have been given this gift of eternal life. Now, here's the crazy thing. Every one of us here today, you're gonna live forever. You, you may die physically, but you're gonna live forever in one or two places, a place called heaven or a place called hell. You were created to live for eternity. You will live for all eternity, forever. John says, I'm writing this so you may know where you're gonna spend eternity. So you are not without excuse. You can know like you know your name where you're gonna spend eternally, which means forever. So here's the question. Can I lose something that's eternal? Can I lose something that is, has, it never ceases and it is forever? So let's just walk through this first of all. Can I lose my salvation? Well, it just makes sense to say yes. I mean, think about it, right? It just makes sense. If I choose Jesus, I can unchoose Jesus. If I walked into grace, I can walk out of grace. If I choose to be saved, I can choose not to be saved. Like, it just makes sense. To say, yes, I have a free will. God's given us free will. We're not robots. He's given us a free will. So if I have a free will and I choose yes, I can always choose no. So it just makes sense to say, yes, I can lose my salvation. It also makes sense to say, if I keep on sinning, God's gonna kick me out. Like if I turn my back on God and walk away from the church and walk away from God, it just makes sense for God to say, okay, I'm, I'm done, that's enough. I'm peace, I, I, you know, you're, I'm, a, I'm going to unadopt you and I'm gonna kick you out of the family. Just makes sense. And a question I would have to that is, how many sins does it take before God kicks you out? How many sins do you have to do before God says, I'm done? Like you have to sin for a year? Like do you have to sin like two years? Is this like, do you just drift away and eventually you just kind of fall away from grace? Like how, when is it? When is, what sin does that? To, to do it. So my question would be like, what sin, if you can out God's grace, what sin then kicks you out of the family? It just makes sense because it should be conditional. If you, God says, I will. If you keep doing this, then I will keep doing this. Doesn't this seem to be conditional? Because most of us, we don't fully fathom unconditional. We don't understand unconditional. Why? Because you talk about me, I talk about you. You hate me, I hate you. You like me, I like you. It's all based on our conditions in life. Most of our lives are conditions. And so it's hard for us to fathom an unconditional love from God, so this makes sense to be conditional. 
Like eternity should be just a conditional and it's a, it's a contract, not a covenant. Another heir to this, if you, think, if you would say, yes, you can, would be that if I, if I can't lose it, then pastor, what you're telling me, you just give me a license to sin. Because now if I really can't lose my salvation, then I could just do what I wanna do, right? I could sin how I wanna sin, go where I wanna go, do what I wanna do because I'm eternally secured in Christ, so therefore I could just live my life. So to tell someone they can't not lose their salvation is basically handing them a card and said, here's your license, you could go sin all you want because God has secured you. So see, it just kind of makes sense that, to say, yes, you can lose it. And if I can lose it, then it's completely up to me to keep it, right? It puts the ball in my court. Like, I get to choose whether I want to keep it or not. And if I choose not to, I can let it go. And so the Bible, we do know this. The Bible does say this, that I am saved by grace through faith, which is a gift of God and not by my works. So a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching preacher-teacher is clear to say it in an invitation, you are saved by grace through faith. You are saved by grace through faith. But if you believe you can lose your salvation, you have to conclude it like this. You are saved by grace through faith, but you're kept saved by your works. So grace saved you, but you have to keep the works to keep saved. You have to be good, attend church, tithe, serve, read your Bible, pray, help the poor, help the widow, listen to God's word. So you have to keep your salvation by your works. So if you say that you can lose it, what you're saying, I am saved by grace through faith, praise Jesus, but you better be good and you better keep it and you keep it by your works. And so there's some conflict with that. There's conflict when you just rationalize and just talk it out before you cherry pick a verse out of the Bible because everyone has a verse. That's why we call, that's why we, when we study God's word, we should do what's called systematic theology or systematic study. You can't just pick one verse out of the Bible. You have to look at it systematically, whole. What's the whole Bible say about it? Not just one verse. You can manipulate and make one verse fit any narrative you want. And so we have to look at the totality of the scriptures if we're really gonna ask the question, can someone truly lose their salvation? So let's, let's just back up here. What happens when I get saved? What happens in me? Like what happens in me, what happens to me? We talked about last week, the Holy Spirit saves us. But there's something else that's more fascinating that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit seals us. Look what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter one, verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. I love this, because he gives a beautiful picture of salvation here. You hear the gospel, and then look what he says. When you believed, you were marked. So how does, how does that happen? You heard the gospel presented, you believed the gospel, and then it says you were marked in him with a seal. And what is the seal? The promised Holy Spirit. You remember if we go back to week one, Jesus says it's best for you for me to go because if I go, the advocate, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, he's gonna come with you, in you, and beside you. He said, here's what happens. The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus and believe that advocate comes and he lives with inside of you and he seals you. He seals you. Now that word sealed, is, it's a picture of, of, of ownership, 
of protection. Back then, they would take a ring and they would put their signature seal, their crescent. They would seal something as that's my possession, that's my document, that's my word. I put a seal as a deposit. I put my signature that I own this, I bought this, this is mine. The Holy Spirit has sealed every single true believer. In fact, John says in John chapter six, Jesus says, the Father has sealed me. And the same word John uses for Jesus is the same word he uses for us. So the same seal that God put on his son Jesus is the same seal he puts on every single true believer. Now, with that said, look what happens in verse 14. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who were in God's possession or who are God's possession to praise be the glory. Like this verse right here, enough. Alone enough to, to understand this, unpack this, can we truly lose our salvation? So think about this. The Holy Spirit comes within me, he seals me, and it's a deposit. What's a deposit? Have you ever put a deposit down on something? You went and bought a car, you put a deposit down, you went and bought a house, you put a deposit down, you bought something, and what did you say? Here's a deposit, which means I'm going to come back and finish the transaction. Just, just I'm gonna put a deposit down to hold it for me. I'm gonna get my ducks in a row and I'm gonna come back and fulfill the obligation that we had. And the same way the Holy Spirit is a deposit, and then look what it says, guaranteeing, guaranteeing. God says, I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit as a deposit to guarantee you I'm gonna come back and get you. This is amazing. Like, it's a guarantee from God. Look what it says, guaranteeing your what? Inheritance that I'm preparing for you. Why? Because you're my possession. You are mine. So the scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit is deposited within us, guaranteeing our inheritance when we're redeemed because we are God's possession. So here's the question. Is there anything that I could ever do to break that seal? Is there anything I could do to break the guarantee from God that he has deposited the Holy Spirit within me? I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, God himself has prepared us for this and guaranteed us, guaranteed us eternal life by giving us the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. God himself pledges himself upon this down payment. He guarantees our salvation, watch this, with his own existence. That's FDIC assured right there. Y'all know what I'm talking about, y'all? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like that is like, God on his own existence says this, based on who I am, I'm gonna put the Holy Spirit within you as a deposit, guaranteeing I will come back to redeem you because I bought you, I purchased you with my son. Folks, that is a fascinating, fascinating, as, as if that was just not enough. Jesus says in John 6, 39, here's the will of God. What's the will of God? That I shall not lose even one of those that he has given me, but I will raise them up in the last day. Jesus says, this is the truth. I will not lose one person that comes to me. I will not lose one person that the Father gives me. I will raise that person up in the last day when Jesus come and he takes us to be with him forever. Romans 8, another beautiful picture here. It says this, for those God foreknew because God knows all things. Those that he foreknew, what's was he predestined. Predestined means to be predetermined. 
So what did God predetermine? He predetermined that every single person who put their faith and trust in Jesus, look what it says, to be conformed to the image of his son. So God foreknew every single person who would put their faith and trust in him. He predetermined that every single one of those people would be conformed into the image of his son so that they might be the firstborn among many brothers. And in verse 30, and those he predetermined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Now let me tell you something about your pastor. I'm not really good in grammar, but I know that ED means past tense. And the Bible says that those he called, how does he call? He calls by the gospel being preached. That's why we gotta preach the gospel. He called, he justified. What's justified mean? Just as I've never sinned. Justified means God has justified me just as I have never, ever sinned. My past, my present, my future. In fact, every sin on the cross was future for you because you weren't even born yet. You've not even committed them yet. When he died for all, he died for all. All sin. He says, I will take your sins and I'll cast them as far as the east and to the west to remember them no more. I will throw them into the depths of the ocean to purposely choose not to remember your sin or hold them against you anymore. I have justified you just as if you had never sinned. That could stop right there when we got saved. But watch this. Those he justified, he glorified. Do you see that past tense? God is outside of time, even though we don't fully understand how that's even possible because we're on this timetable. God is outside of time. He sees the beginning, he sees the end, he knows all in between. And he says, those who have put their faith and trust in my son, I predetermined, I saw it, I called them, I conformed them, I justified them, and already in the mind of God, I've already glorified them. Honey, I'm already kicking up gold dust on the streets of gold. God has already glorified, which means, listen, that is mean God has already saw that every true believer will remain true to the Holy Spirit of God within them. That is an unbelievable, unbelievable text that I have been sealed as a deposit guaranteeing God has already justified every single true believer and has glorified them even though you and I haven't been to glory yet because he knows all things. He already sees the end. And I know what some of you are thinking, but pastor, man, I knew this girl. She was on fire for God, and man, she was just telling people about Jesus. She was witnessing. And then she just walked away from the church, walked away from the faith. Man, I know a guy, he was preaching. I mean, he was a great preacher, and he was standing on stage, and he preached revivals, and, and man, he was just so on fire for the God, and he knew the scripture, man. Man, he knew the text. Like, he could preach God's word. And now, no longer, he's walked away from God, and walked away from church, walked away from faith, and walked away from his family, and man, he was so on fire. For some of you, that was yourself. My eighth grade year, I walked an aisle, said a prayer was baptized. Only to find out months later, I about got living like a hellion. My senior year in high school, I walked an aisle and said a prayer and I was baptized again and I got a Bible and I was going to Sunday school and I was quoting Bible verses and I was reading my Bible, man. As a senior in high school. Two months later, back out living like a hellion in my sinful lifestyle. What happened? 
Did I lose it? The text would say, I never had it. I never had it in the first place. In fact, John talks about false teachers and false prophets. The better question you really would ask, were they even saved in the first place? He says this in 1 John 2, 19, these people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. Now listen to me, I'm not a salvation appraiser. I don't get to go around and judge people's salvations. You know why? Because I don't have nail-scarred hands. Only Jesus gets to judge your heart. Only Jesus can see what's truly inside your heart. In fact, that's why the Bible tells you that you better test yourself to make sure you're in the faith because there's a bunch of people who think they're saved, they're not saved. There's a bunch of fake, phony Christians. There's a parable called the wheats and the tares, and we're not to pull up the tares. They look like wheat, smell like wheat, have kernel like wheat, but it's not wheat, it's a tear. When God sends his angels back and he comes back, he will separate those who are fake and those who are real. So the text says you better examine your heart to make sure you're in the faith, that you can know like you know your name if you're truly, truly saved. And so you have to examine your heart. Am I truly, truly, truly saved? And I know what some of you are thinking, but pastor, I doubt. I doubt, you know, I, I think so. Sometimes I don't feel saved. The scripture never says point to your feelings to test if you're saved or not because your feelings will lie to you. It's not based on, when people begin to doubt their salvation, what they really begin to doubt is am I good enough to keep it? I doubt if I'm saved. Why? Because man, I still do that. I still mess up on that sin. I still had that thought. I still blow it. Am I really saved? Well, I believe God loves me and I believe he'll forgive me, but, but I don't know about that one sin and that one sin was a rough one. Like, God's really gonna forgive me of that because it was bad, I hurt people, and it was a really bad sin. And we'll have all these thoughts in our mind. And we'll, we'll, we'll wonder, you know, why am I beginning to doubt? It's because you doubt that your goodness can keep you saved and if your goodness can truly save you. Because it's not based on your good works. Your good works cannot save you. Your good works cannot keep you saved. But so many people think that way. Your good works cannot keep you saved. My behavior didn't save me, my behavior can unsave me. It's not based on what I've done. God knew that there was nothing I could ever do to be good enough to get to him. In fact, the Bible says your best efforts stinks in the nostrils of God. So, so many people think, well, if I go to church, if I read my Bible, if I pray, if I tithe, if I serve, then maybe God will just be pleased with me. Maybe God will just have mercy on me. Your works cannot make you right with God. Only Jesus can make you right with God. James says this, I'll show you my faith in God by my works. I work because I am saved, not to be saved or keep saved, according to the text. Because the reality is, your sin does not have the power to undo what Jesus did on the cross. It can't undo it. Therefore, his grace is what completely restores and saves me. I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone. I'm kept by grace alone. And you know what happens really in our head? That's just not fair. I should have to do something to keep it. I've gotta be good, right? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta guard myself, I gotta be a good person, so I gotta keep it. That's just not fair. That's called grace. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. But God in his mercy predetermined those he foreknew to be conformed to the image of his son, 
So he called you, how? By the gospel. He justified you, he glorified you in eternity past. We can't fully grasp that, but God is outside of our time. He's not on our timetable. He already sees the end and he knows every single person who would be glorified. And how do I know? Those who truly repent of their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus will be sealed by the Holy Spirit as a deposit where God's marked you with his spirit and say, you're my daughter, you're my son, and I'm gonna take you home to glory or I'm gonna come and get you and to receive you to myself. How does he know that? Because you've been marked by the spirit. So here's the question. Maybe the question you need to ask yourself today is this, am I saved today? Am I saved right now? Some of you, you have a defining moment you can go back and look, September the 2nd, 1997, my defining moment. Some of you don't even remember your date. It's okay. Some of you don't even remember when that took place. It's okay. Some of you are fighting, going, I, just, I wish I just remembered the moment and what happened, what took place. Listen, it doesn't matter. What about today? What about today? How can you know like you know your name, you're saved today? Well, let me give you a few tests to take. Y'all like taking tests? If you don't, you're gonna take some anyway. Here we go. Give you a couple things real quick. I'm gonna I'm I'm run, run through these really quick. Here's a couple of tests you could check to examine your heart today. One, there's a love test. There's a love test that you need to take. And this love is one step in proving the evidence of the spirit of God within you. Look what he says, 1 John 5, 1. And everyone who loves the father loves his children too. Loves the family of God. If you loved God, you're gonna love the family of God. You love God, you're gonna love your brothers and sisters who are in Christ. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. So the first test to take is, is the love of God in me? Do I truly love the people of God? Do I truly love the family of God? That's one reason we love coming to worship together as a family, is like to show each other, you're not here for me. We're here for each other as a family. You're not here to check off, I did the church thing today and therefore I'm, I'm right with God. Coming to church is not what makes you right with God. It's evidence of God moving in your life or you wouldn't even be here. But the love test is, do I love God and love the family with worship with the family of God? Here's the second thing if you don't miss that. He said, we love God, watch this, and obey his commands. Here's the second one, the obedience test. Are you obeying him? Are you obeying Jesus? There's an obedience test. Are you obeying his word? John writes this in 1 John 3, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him. They remain in fellowship with God and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the comforter, the counselor that he gave us, the one he said he was gonna send, watch this, lives in us has marked us, has sealed us. So here's one of the evidence. Am I being obedient to God's word? Now, let me go and help some of you top A people out. You're not gonna be perfect. Some of you think you're perfect. You're not. Let me just help you out there, okay? You're not. You're not gonna strive, you're never gonna be perfect. You're gonna blow it. You're never gonna strive, you're never gonna have perfection until you reach eternity. But they can get to the point in our lives that we understand God's commandments and we begin to sin less in our life because we are being obedient to God's word. We understand the tactics of the devil better and therefore we can resist the temptation when it comes our way. So the question is, do I have any desire within me to keep and honor God's word? There's the obedience test. Here's the third one, the fruit test. I can't judge your heart, but I can examine your fruit. 
And we know what's ever in the fruit is located in the root of it. You're never gonna see an orange on an apple tree, ever. If you do, run, because someone just faked you out. Because what's in the root, an apple tree root, right, produces apples. So whatever is the fruit of your life, I can't judge your heart. My heart even lies to me. I can't judge my heart or your heart, but I can look at the fruit that bears from your life. And look what he says, Matthew. Jesus says, you can identify them by their fruit. Who? My disciples. You'll know who my followers are. You'll see the fruit of their life. Because what comes out of the life comes from the inside. And by this way, and how they act. Can you pick grapes from thornbrush? No. Can figs from a thistle? No. What are you saying? You're not gonna pick an orange from an apple tree. My disciples will follow me and you'll notice them by the fruit that they bear. Now we'll talk about the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Now does that mean when I'm not patient that I'm not saved? No, that's not what I'm saying. There is a longing, there is a striving to follow after Jesus and walk in the spirit of God. There's a, there's a longing to be obedient to God's word and you will blow it and you will make mistakes. But I don't live in constant rebellion against God and his word. The spirit of God within me drawing me and convicts me. And then lastly, there's the voice test. Do you hear God's voice in your life? I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I've never heard the audible voice of God. There have been times that God has just spoken so clear to me, so clear, that there's no doubt I knew it was the Lord speaking. But I've never heard the audible voice of God. In fact, some people say, man, I hear God speaking all the time. Like God speaks to me all the time. I'm like, oh, cool, he don't always do that with me. So you have to cultivate that voice and you listen to God's voice in your life. I wanna hear what Jesus said. He says in John 10, verse 27, my sheep, my children, my followers, my disciples, listen to my voice. And watch this, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus says, those who are truly saved are gonna listen to my voice, and they are gonna follow me. That's the mission of our church is to help you discover what God is speaking to your life, come along beside you, and help you take your next steps as you follow Jesus. That's why every Sunday we said all of our campuses, if God's speaking, you wanna take a next step, go to the next step area, go to the resource area, go let us help you. Why? If God is speaking, let us come along beside you and help you figure that out and help you take your next step, whether it's to be baptized, whether it's to start you know, serving, whether it's go through our financial uh, um, um, Bible study together, whatever I mean, you need help. Like, what can we do to help you? How, I got a vision, I really wanna serve the community. Let's go, how can we help you? Like, what is God's voice speaking into your life? One evidence is that God speaks, watch this, and I follow him. My sheep listen to me, and I know them, and they follow me. And look what he says in verse 28. I give them eternal life. He didn't say I give them a partial life, I give them a conditional life, I give them if they behave good enough, eternal life. No, no, my sheep, when they get saved, gets eternal life. And they will never perish. 
Do you see what King Jesus has said to you? Not that you not die physically, you will not die spiritually. My sheep hear my voice, I give them eternal life by placing the Holy Spirit, a seal, a deposit, guaranteeing they will never perish. And if you need a little bit more security on that, look what he says, and no one, not even yourself, the devil, no one will snatch them out of my hands. No one. Look what he says, for my father has given them to me. And what did Jesus says? All the ones that the father gave me, I will never lose one. And all these the father has given to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else, and no one can snatch them from my Father's hand. Folks, listen, we talked about the Trinity. We see that in our salvation. The Holy Spirit seals us. God the Son secures us in his hands. And then God the Father surrounds us. That's triple security, y'all. To never undo or lose what God has put in your life. So here's the question. Can a true believer ever lose their salvation? No. No. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't get saved till I was a junior in college. I say that to let you know that I wasn't raised up and taught a certain doctrine. I wasn't raised up to tall, you should believe this way or that way. My parents believe that, my grandparents believe it, our pastor believed it, so I believed it. I wasn't raised up in church. When I gave my life to Jesus, one of the debates that broke out on our dorm room and on our floor was can you lose your salvation? And I went up and down our dorm rooms debating people, telling them that they can lose it because it only made sense. And so I remember sitting in a dorm room debating this guy and he really didn't know how to fully explain it to me, but I never had verses for it. All I had was subjective or objective of my life evidence. If I can truly ask God to save me, I can truly ask him to unsave me and walk away. And finally, I decided, you know what, you know what? I'm tired of debating. It was bringing division on our dormitory floor over this certain thing. I said, I'm gonna go on a journey. And as a senior in college, I opened up my Bible and I said, God, speak to me. I wanna know the truth. And for nine months, I went on a Bible study seeking can I truly lose what God deposited within me? And after nine months of searching, the Holy Spirit illuminated my eyes and I had that aha moment that I was so secure in Christ. And I didn't do anything to save myself and I can't do anything to unsave myself. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. If you leave going, you know what, I'm saved. Therefore, I can go and sin and do whatever I want. I'm gonna be really honest with you. If that's your attitude, the Holy Spirit does not dwell within you. 
because knowing this doctrine and this truth doesn't provoke me to go and see how much I can sin. Honestly, it provokes me because of the grace and the mercy of God that I don't deserve it, that I should be in hell for my sin. That doctrine, that, that belief, that, that theology, honestly keeps me in my heart to stay as far away from sin as I can stay. Because I know even though it didn't cost me anything, it cost God everything. And so a true believer will persevere all the way to the end. Someone who is truly saved will never be unsaved. And I don't know your heart and you don't know my heart and I can't judge you and only God can do that. So the question is, are you saved today? Is God drawing you to himself today? And if he is, you need to respond today because you're not promised tomorrow. And I'll soon go, well, I thought I made the decision when I was little and I thought, well, maybe there's a time I rebelled and I backslid and backslid and people's like, well, you backslide. Backslide is when you sin. Apostates, when you, you know the truth, but you willfully reject God. And when you understand this, it's amazing. And after searching the scriptures, there is nowhere in the Bible, there is no one in the Bible who ever was saved twice. I've searched it. Is there anything greater than being saved? Yes, knowing that you're saved. Is there anything greater being saved and knowing that you're saved? Yes, knowing that you can never lose it. If your salvation hasn't changed you, your salvation hasn't saved you. Because if you're truly saved, there'll be a complete transformation that will always persevere to the end. And I'm gonna close with this verse. John 5, listen to this. Please let this sink in your heart. I tell you the truth, this is Jesus speaking. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never They will never be condemned for their sins. Do you see that? Who, the ones who believe? Why? Look at this, look. Because they've already passed, present, past tense. They've already passed from death, a spiritual death, to spiritual life. Who would neglect such a great salvation? Listen to me, believer, never get over your salvation, man. Never get over that you and I deserve the penalty that comes with sin. But thanks be to God to his son, the indescribable gift who dwells within you. Never get over that. And my 
response to you is, if the Lord is drawing you, please give your life to Him today. I'm gonna ask you what, just to bow your heads just for a moment. I wanna encourage you to take that text home and study it. Get before God and ask Him, Lord, help me see. It brought so much peace and hope and joy in my heart knowing that I was so secure in Christ and it wasn't based on my goodness because I'm not good. And I hope that same message the Holy Spirit would apply to your life today and you will receive that wonderful hope that those who believe have eternal life and they will never be condemned. Why? Because Jesus took your wrath, Jesus took your punishment, Jesus took your place. And so if he's working in your life, I wanna encourage you to repent and put your faith and trust in him. At all of our campuses right now, online, you can cry out to the Lord and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today I repent of my sin and I put my faith and trust in you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for sealing me. Thank you, God, for keeping me. Now help me follow you all the days of my life. And if you prayed that with us, we believe the scripture is true. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And just in a moment, your host and your campus pastor, they're gonna come out, they're gonna share with you your next steps. Why? Because if you heard God's voice, then obey him and follow him. We will help you take those steps. You're not alone, because we're a family. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you seal us. That you keep us. That you convict us. That you draw us. You sustain us. You protect us. You draw us to the Father. I pray that your will be done today. That this text will be ready on our thoughts. Our hope is found in you, not in our works. Which will bring peace and joy. So Holy Spirit, we can't wait to see what you're gonna do in our lives through the preaching of your word. For your name we ask and we pray all things. Amen.